0: it's time to take the quiz five questions five minutes a day five days a week
1: take the quiz every weekday at the quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did play share and of course listen to the quiz at the quiz.fox
2: live from the fox news radio studios in new york city fresh off the set of fox and friends it's america's receptive voice Brian Kilmeade
3: Thanks so much for being here everybody It's the Brian Kilmeade show one 408 Admiral James Saravides will be on in 12 minutes And then we'll have Senator Roger Marshall uh, Health and Small Business Energy Committee But we got to get him to weigh in on what is breaking In terms of what's happening at our border And what's happening in Ukraine So let's get to the big three
2: Now with the stories you need to know It's Brian's Big Three
4: Number three Ukraine is an epicenter of unbearable heartache and pain. I witnessed that very vividly today around Kyiv. The senseless loss of life, the massive destruction, the unacceptable violations of human rights and the laws of war.
3: Uh, and that is the head of the United Nations. And here we're looking at insanity. Russia bombs Kyiv and the UN General Secretary is meeting with the President of Ukraine at the time. Right after he met with Vladimir Putin in Moscow, it continues to show how heavy a price and how dumb Vladimir Putin is, how he, the bloodthirsty invasion of Ukraine has blown up in his face, and he doesn't, for some odd reason, want it to end. The it is from the battlefield. Number two.
1: I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what that would look like for the marginalized communities all around the world, which are already shouldering... So much of this abuse, disproportionate amounts of this abuse.
3: Yeah. Uh, Nina Jackowitz, the executive director of the DHS Disinformation Governance Board. Uh, that was her on April 16th flagging concerns about Elon Musk taking over Twitter. The Musk madness continues. Meanwhile, this is a disinformation. Czar is birthed at the same time he buys. It comes up with the job. This woman, Nina Jackowitz, has no credibility, has repeatedly spread disinformation from the Hunter laptop to who Christopher Steele is. Way to go, Joe. This woman will divide the country even more.
5: Number one. Secretary, have have any of the 42 illegal migrants on the terrorist watch list or no-fly list encountered on our southwest border been released into the United States? I do not know the answer to your question. Do not know whether they have been released or not into the country. That's your testimony. Uh, Ranking
6: member, uh, Jordan, as I've said before, I will provide you the data.
3: Unbelievable. Showdown, throwdown. Yup, Capitol Hill over the intentional collapse of our border. And the sinister HHS secretary that won't even acknowledge it will bring you the fireworks and the reaction. You just saw some of it. Jim Jordan came to play. He came because he wanted answers. Listen, you told us, the DHS said, you found 42 terrorists coming across our border. Where are they is the most logical follow-up to that statement. What he said is so very wrong and unacceptable. He has no answer. Why would he have no answer? Why would he not think that we would all want an answer? Why would Democrats not be asking that question? So... What has happened at our border with over two million people coming aboard since uh, Joe Biden uh, took over power, since he stopped building the wall, stopped enforcing remain in Mexico, even though we had other policies in place, stopped pressuring Central and South America uh, to keep their people in their own country, stopped pressuring Mexico to enforce their southern border and started disempowering ICE. We've had a disaster So when Majorca's came up, you better believe the biggest disaster in our history needed at least an explanation, cut one.
6: We inherit a broken and dismantled system that is already under strain. It is not built to manage the current levels and types of migratory flows. Only Congress can fix this. Yet we have effectively managed an unprecedented number of non-citizens seeking to enter the United States and interdicted more drugs and disrupted more smuggling operations than ever before. A significant increase in migrant encounters will strain our system even further, and we will address this challenge successfully.
3: Total fiction. It was not broken. Comprehensive immigration reform has nothing to do with border security. You could do that in the big picture. That is not a quick reaction force, nor an acceptable answer. Now, when it comes to the terror watch list, 22 sexual predators were caught On the border. Now, I assume they're captured and held. Now, I can't assume that because of this cut to.
5: Secretary, have any of the 42 illegal migrants on the terrorist watch list or no fly list encountered on our southwest border been released into the United States? Uh, Ranking Member Jordan, as I mentioned before, I will provide that data. To you, with respect
6: to the disposition of each one, I do not know the answer to your question. The
5: Secretary of Homeland Security does not know the answer to the status of 42 individuals who came to our southern border illegally are on the no-fly list and the, uh, and the, no, uh, and the terrorist watch list. You do not, do not know whether they have been released or not into the country. That's uh, your testimony.
6: Ranking Member uh, Jordan, as I've said before, I will provide you the data.
3: How could you not have the answer to that? And if you, for some reason, go to this testimony and don't have that answer, you turn around to a staffer and say, by the time we're done here, by the time maybe the next question is, we'll have that answer. Unless you don't want to give the answer because you know they're gone. Unless you know that they got an ankle bracelet or a phone and were told to report somewhere. And you know how unacceptable that is. And you know you did not inherit a broken border. You know you had a wall that is not a Viking wall. It was a high-tech wall that would have helped you do your job. You know that this was all paid for. You don't even finish the gaps between the walls. And uh, you know, and it's all the suing that stopped the building of this wall at a, at, a, at a normal rate would have gotten this done before Donald Trump left. At least 500 miles done instead of about 200. And it would have helped the Border Patrol, who were undermanned, understaffed, and certainly underappreciated. Meanwhile, he also testified to the fact there were 389,000 known migrant gotaways that are in our country. They just got away. Title 42 about to evaporate. One judge says, no, you'll wait on that. Meanwhile, the progressives are pushing President Biden to repeal the racist Title 42. What could possibly be racist about Title 42? It's insane. Daryl Issa talked about Title 42. And what it would mean. He knows about the border, the California end of it, cut seven.
7: When we
6: were at the border a week ago, we saw that on your orders, orders from Washington, but I have to presume they were yours, Title 42 has already ended. Your border, your uh, customs people were ordered to, and they were bringing in every day as many as they could get from down in Mexico, Title 42 people that had been refused and bringing them back in. When I asked... The agent in charge, she told me that they were trying to clear the backlog completely by May 23rd. They didn't know if they were going to be able to. That is a clandestine ending of Title 42. Why did you do it? Um, I am not familiar with that, and uh, that is uh, factually incorrect.
3: No, it isn't, and we already know it because the Border Patrol talks to us. They talk to people that care about their jobs and care about the country. They let him have it. We have him on video being blasted, and justifiably too. Before I move on, Miranda Devine weighed in on Mayorkas and how this is intentional.
8: What we saw during that testimony was a hardcore ideologue what he's
9: doing is deliberate. This is not a normal public servant. He is committing a crime against America, in on two fronts. One, allowing these illegal migrants to flood into the country. He's flying them all around the place
1: on uh, planes at our expense, and then bussing them into cities like New
10: York. But. Everywhere. There's not one state that is not a border state now. Oh, they are doing are... this secretly because they know the American people don't want it.
3: And he's got twenty the President of the United States has twenty-seven percent approval when it comes to immigration. That's hideous. That's Republicans and Democrats. When we come back, the other major story uh overseas. And that is what's happening with Ukraine and Russia. A lot of developments. Some are heartening and some are agonizing. Uh, the heartening ones, believe it or not, come from Europe itself. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here.
2: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News
10: Podcasts Network.
9: I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.
2: A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
10: I think we should still remind ourselves while the fight is taking place in the South and it's going to be a very intense fight as these forces join, that Putin, I don't believe for a minute, has given up completely on toppling the entire country. And certainly, uh, CONTINUOUS BOMBARDMENT IS PART OF THAT STRATEGY. WE'VE ALWAYS SAID THERE'S TWO STRATEGIES HERE. ONE IS THE GROUND FORCES STRATEGY TO SEIZE, TERRAIN, AND DESTROY UKRAINE GROUND FORCES. THE OTHER THING IS TO BREAK THE WILL OF THE PEOPLE BY THE CONTINUOUS BOMBARDMENT.
3: Well, that's uh they started bombing, uh, did the Russians' Kiev out of nowhere. They were kind of quiet there. And with the U.N. general secretary there, which is what a message. Guy comes in peace. Obviously, the U.N. is hands off. They just met with Vladimir Putin. He does it anyway. It turns out they're listening to transmissions between Russian officers. And it turns out they were talking to each other that 25,000 Russians have been killed already. And they've lost 600 tanks, it's estimated, on the Ukrainian side. That is just in two months. Admiral James Stravitas is with us now, the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, member of the Carlisle Group and author of many bestsellers. Admiral, welcome back.
8: Great to be with you, Brian.
3: Admiral, there's a big story today about how some of the border cities in Russia are starting to get rattled because Ukraine is starting to hit them. Do you think that's a good strategy from the Ukrainian perspective because it could galvanize the Russian public against the Ukrainian Operation or whatever they choose to call it?
8: I think it is a good strategy. I do think it's a close call for exactly the reasons you articulate. But Putin has such lockdown of the media at this point. The Ukrainians have got to uh, put additional weight on what they can accomplish on the battlefield. And to do that, Brian, as we've seen, the weak part of the Russian offensive capability is logistics. So if you can go after the logistics sites, even those just across the border, I think it's a smart strategy. That's what the Ukrainians will continue to do.
3: What is their what is what is their shed look like? How much do they have in armaments? Are they running out of these rockets? We know they ran out a lot of the smart (laughs) weapons.
8: On the Russian side, they are, in fact, uh, having problems maintaining uh, long-range fires. And so this is why they've gone to the Chinese, for example, asking for additional military aid. They're not going to get it. That's pretty clear. On the Ukrainian side, our logisticians are moving fast. And uh, it's a foot race into uh, putting weapons in the hands of both sides. We're going to win that foot race. I think the Ukrainians will continue to be well supplied, the Russians less so.
3: So stunning news that China is starting to buy oil from Iran rather than Russia because of the war. That's in the Wall Street Journal today. And the Germans have made huge progress in getting off Russian oil and gas, as is Poland and Bulgaria, because they got cut off Where is Europe at now and truly adhering to this embargo? They seem to have have seen the light.
8: They really have, Brian, you know, you and I have been talking about this for several years about the need for uh, Europe, Western Europe to wean itself from Russian energy. But, uh, Vladimir Putin in a couple of weeks has accomplished what all of us trying to argue with our German friends and colleagues, for example, over a decade. uh, Putin has woken up the Europeans and it really is like a light going on and it's a very bright light heading down a tunnel straight at Europe. So they are, I think, quite serious about this. They'll do everything in the short term, including balancing their uh, shares of gas and oil. I, I think the Europeans are hanging together on this. The big news, you're right, is China looking to other markets. And that, I think, is going to be very problematic for Vladimir Putin.
3: I came out of nowhere. It makes me wonder if I believe it, because they also dropped tariffs to allow the quick purchase of coal from Russia. But Germany relied on Russia for 55% of their natural gas. Since the invasion, they got it down to 35%. And now with the threats of having cutting off from Russia – the Germans say that they can draw down even less, even another third. Now, I thought Russia needed the German money, Germans Germans as a customer, more than they wanted to get redemption because the Germans are doing so much more to help the Ukrainians. Are they not thinking this through? By cutting off it, Poland and Bulgaria, they're cutting off revenue.
8: It is a... In my view, a huge mistake on the part of Russia. You know, there's two sides to every transaction. So, <clears throat> A, they're going to lose uh, revenue, as you point out. B, they're going to significantly anger the civilian populations, uh, just for starters, of Poland and Bulgaria, but everyone in Europe is watching this. And C, they're going to spur the Europeans forward in building new infrastructure, for example, to take liquefied natural gas from the United States. So this is a miscalculation on the part of the Russians, and it's, it's part of a, a whole series of miscalculations by Vladimir Putin over the past couple of months.
3: Admiral Stavridis, are we doing enough? I read a column mm-hmm. from Bing West saying that we got to get much more serious. He says in Vietnam— uh, they said we gave the Russians gave uh, Vietnam two thousand tanks, four hundred MIGs, seven thousand anti aircraft uh, guns. That was just a fact. He says that we need to give forty billion, not four billion, to help out. Now, knowing that it's now twenty twenty two and it's not the nineteen seventies or sixties, uh, leading into the seventies, why do you think we're being too cautious?
8: I don't. If you'd asked me that question six, eight weeks ago, I would have said yes, and in fact, I think I said yes on the program with you, but we have moved a long way in the last uh, six to eight weeks. I think we are moving the heavy stuff into the hands of the ukrainians Point, one. point two, it's a very different battlefield that Bing West fought on in Vietnam um, much more important are lighter, faster, more lethal drones, for example. those are easier to move we're We're heavily biased in that direction and thirdly, uh, the Congress I think is going to approve this latest request for thirty three billion dollars to go into aid but Prince into weapon systems for the Ukrainians. So far, from what I can see, we're giving the Ukrainians the tools. I think they're going to finish the job.
3: So in what way? Because we do notice that uh, Kyrgyzstan is now being run by a provisional government in Russia to make it everyone give rubles. <laughs> I know it's tumultuous. Uh, Mariupol doesn't think that—I don't think the cavalry is coming there to help. So if they continue to try to surround the Donbass area— do you believe that since well, Vladimir Putin has no conscience, doesn't really care about his own men, unlike uh, everybody else in the world, I believe, outside China, uh, what do you think – do you worry about this dragging on and Russia, his aspirations of still getting Kyiv a possibility?
8: I think Kyiv has long since uh, receded from the potential grasp of Vladimir Putin. I think the, the remit of his ambition at this point is to consolidate control over the Donbass and then try and negotiate a solution where he holds everything from Crimea through Mariupol, through Donbass up to Russia. What we can do at this point, and we are doing, is continuing to give the Ukrainians the tools to push him back, particularly in Donbass. And by the way, on Mariupol, Um, the heroism the courage we've seen there i think is going to stand in ukrainian memory for generations it will certainly continue to inspire their current fight Um, so i think this is still very much um, in a state of flux but i wouldn't bet against the ukrainians at this point brian to push back significantly on the russians especially in donbass
3: 15 seconds left are you for sweden and finland getting into nato
8: Oh, gosh, 1,000%. When they tell us they want in on Wednesday, we need to have them in by Friday.
3: <laughs> I will talk to the Swedish ambassador uh, this weekend and see where see where uh, they stand. Thanks so much, Admiral James Travitas, always educational. Thank you.
8: My pleasure, Brian. Bye-bye.
2: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have we operational
6: are... control of the borders. Yes, we do. weeks. Doing... So
2: what operational control defined. In this section, the term operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. Do you stand by on your testimony that we have operational control in light of this definition? You and
6: Congressman, I think the um, Secretary of Homeland Security would have said the same thing in 2020 and in it, 2019.
2: The, 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 well, the Secretary would have at least had a basis for saying that we have some sort of control of the border.
3: So... Yeah, this was uh, some of the—I mean, it was unbelievable what I had to choose from this morning in terms of fiery exchanges with uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, who's just doing—he's an epic failure, and he's flat out telling untruths. And first and foremost, the first words that came out of his mouth, he inherited a broken border. You may not have liked the policies. That's fine. But you can't say it was broken. They're building the wall, a high-tech wall. There's a Remain of Mexico policy. There were deals done with all these other Central American nations to keep their population under control. There was a minute you step into one country, even if you want to apply to our country, you have to apply there or else you're automatically eliminated. There were policies in place. They intentionally blew it up. Senator and Dr. Roger Marshall who has got a military background as well. He's uh, in studio from Kansas. Senator, great to see you.
11: Brian, glad to be here.
3: So you weren't part of the House exchange yesterday, but I'm sure you understand the sentiment and the frustration.
11: Yeah, absolutely, Brian. And and our sentiment, our, our frustration, the frustration of Kansas is the same as yours. Let's think about this. Over 3 million people have been apprehended since this president was sworn into office. Over six tons of fentanyl have been seized crossing the border and on my three visits to the border, they tell me that for every, every uh, person that we capture, three more have crossed. For every ton of fentanyl, we capture three tons cross as well. I've done humanitarian work all over the world as a physician, and this is absolutely a crisis on the border. Where do you stand with the,
3: uh, the NGOs? Because they're paid money by the government to take care of the illegal immigrants when they come here. And they're giving fresh Nikes, fresh clothes, toiletries, a shower, a bed, and then a, a bus ride uh, to wherever they want to go, wherever they're predestined. Now, a lot of it's Catholic charities and other groups. Uh, Personally, I don't think that that is showing a big heart because what you're doing is giving a signal to Central and South America. It's okay to send your kid with a human trafficker to come here because you'll be taken care of.
11: Yeah, Brian, certainly I have worked with many of those organizations. Again, as a physician, I appreciate their, their passion. What I don't appreciate is the disinformation that's going down there, and I think these NGOs are recruiting people. That's what the my people on the ground say, the NGOs are recruiting people. How can you afford to spend $3,000, 7000 a person to get them across the border? Who's paying for that? And you can't help but think the NGOs are, are doing it. Certainly the Border Patrol very appreciative of what the NGOs are doing. So there. when
3: we talk, you know, Kansas is not a border state, why do you care because it's everywhere and you mentioned too that uh with your with your um with doctor background your medical background you've seen the effect of fentanyl
11: yeah yeah you know no longer is kansas immune to this Uh, a boy that i delivered 15 years ago recently died from a fentanyl uh, overdose uh, two people on the front page of the Kansas City star who had died recently two students uh, what's what 's happening is the fentanyl ingredients are being made in china sipped sent to uh, to mexico there's far, Me- Chinese pharmacist in Mexico then mixing it lacing it with the Percocet I'm begging kids please don't take Percocets or any of these drugs that's laced with fentanyl one teaspoon of fentanyl could kill 2,000 people is it also a marijuana too well uh, of course yeah the marijuana is uh, you can is lace rampant. that as well you okay. could lace in y- anything practically so
3: but we know it's China to Mexico the cartels to get it across our border where's the pressure on China where's the pressure on the cartels I mean, if there's ever pressure for the special forces in Mexico to get involved, we'll finance it. We've done this before with gang activity. Where is the where is the impetus and the planning on that?
11: Well, I, I think it's even worse than that. I think the Chinese government blesses it. I think they it's enable It's their opium it. war. Yeah, they, they absolutely. This is, China is still uh, upset about the opium war. They're going to get even. And this is a cash crop for them. This is like us growing wheat in Kansas is them making the fentanyl ingredients in China. I think they bless it. President Trump, you recall, stood up. It was coming through the U.S. mail. And we got that shut down. But, and that's why they're, they're going over to Mexico. The Chinese government, uh, the Communist Party is, is intimately involved with the cartel and financing all this.
3: Are you for removing some of the tariffs that I guess the Republicans are some, somehow joining with Democrats to revisit the tariffs that Trump put on?
11: Yeah, I'm certainly open to those conversations. I think there's opportunity. So, for instance, Turkey is sitting there trying to uh, decide, are they going to support Russia? Are they going to support America? We still have this steel and aluminum tariff on Turkey made steel. So I'm ready to revisit it no, I'm them. talking about Chinese tariffs. Chinese tariffs, Um, you know, China did not live up to their original bargains already. The phase one um, and with
3: agricultural purchases,
11: with agriculture, purchases, whatever. And they had significant improvement as well. But that's the only way we can hold them accountable. Uh, So I'm not in favor of removing the tariffs from China. I think we you know, the sad thing is that the President Biden has not revisited the phase two agreement.
3: Well, a couple of it's amazing. Uh, A couple of things. You're right about Turkey. Turkey's been a huge surprise with Ukraine. They provided a lot of the drones. Uh, They've also really prevented the Russians from dominating the Black Sea because they got some rights there. So as brutal as they are to their own people, as they've evaporated almost all democratic power and jailed their uh, political opponents, which we find horrific. At the same
11: time, they've helped us out and the Ukrainians out uh, in war. You know, it is that simple. I recently had a visit to, to Turkey visited with uh, Ambassador Flake. Turkey can change their politics, but they can't change their geography. They're always going to have a foot in Europe and a foot in Asia. And so much of the war uh, go through there. So much of history goes through there as well. They're at the bottom of the Black Sea. My big concern, about 12% of the world's wheat exports, 14% of the corn exports, about a third of the fertilizers go through the Black Sea, and we'll be facing famine, certainly food insecurity over the next several years in the Middle East and Africa.
3: Before we move on, uh- uh, from China, I want to go back. They've locked down 25 million residents of Shanghai. They're beginning to do it in Beijing because they want zero COVID policies. Not only are you, a lawmaker, you're a doctor. I mean,
11: from what we know, two years later from the virus they bestowed on us, is that the way to handle it? Uh, I think we've proven that lockdowns and mandates don't work. Um, so I'm really confused why they're doing this. I'm I'm confused. Do they have some type of new variant that we don't know about? Well, I would share with you. Evidently,
3: there's a lot of asymptomatic. It's almost all asymptomatic.
11: Yeah, I think that's true. Probably 90% of cases are, are asymptomatic. Uh, so so I, I certainly the Communist Party loves to control their people. So this is an opportunity to control. They've had a huge failure here. And that's the big problem that, that we... Funded the research in Wuhan that led to this virus. There's a plethora of evidence that says it was made right there in a laboratory. And then Dr. Fauci led a huge cover-up.
3: Well, How do you feel about Dr. Fauci saying the pandemic's over and then saying it isn't? He means acute pandemic's over. I mean, how does a doctor make these
11: mistakes. Yeah, you know, I think it's just constant misinformation, disinformation. This is the real disinformation coming out, right? That we can't understand it. And Dr. Fauci, he wants to be so much in control of everything. Please just give, give myself as a physician practicing in rural medicine, the facts, the data, and let me apply it. I've been taking care of communicable diseases for decades. Just give us the data and let local doctors uh, and healthcare workers decide what to do.
3: Moderna is asking for a uh, emergency authorization for children under five. Would you think it's necessary to give a Moderna vaccine if they get that authorization to a child under five?
11: You know, I certainly have grandchildren. This is a very real question to me. The advice I would, I've been giving my parents is very different than the advice I would give to my children. I would encourage the parents to talk to their doctor. But in general, I don't see that the benefits outweigh the risk of this vaccine. The benefits uh, to someone under the age of, say, 21, unless they have an underlying health care condition, we're having more children, more people die from drug overdose, from depression and suicides uh, because of the lockdowns than we did from the virus itself. But
3: in New York, they want to get the masks off their kids, so they take the preschoolers, and they will not get the masks off the kids until the vaccine is out. So you understand, even if you, you say to yourself, what should I do? I mean, if, if you are a parent in New York City, and I hope that never happens to you, uh, we are in New York City, do you, would, you, would you go, from what you know about the mRNA vaccine, would you feel okay with a child getting it?
11: So personally, I would not. I don't think the benefits outweigh the risk. The risks you are, are very real. I don't feel comfortable uh, for my grandchildren get it, especially probably 60%, 70% of children have already had the virus. And I don't see that the vaccine gives them enough benefit to take on the risk.
3: Understood. I, I get that. And uh, the same thing, the administration is also not acknowledging that Johns Hopkins did a study. And when you look at these mitigating things that we've done, including putting masks on, not the N95s that you guys wear in surgery, but masks on, it almost has no benefit. What What did you think about before we thought about
11: the mask? And being that this is an airborne virus, should we have been wearing them? Absolutely not. And this is what's so frustrating. I sat down with the FDA maybe three or four months into this process back in 2020 and said, show me the data on the mask. They sent me 80 studies. Now I'm, I read them all. I re- reviewed every one of the 80 studies, maybe three or four suggested masks might help. Uh, most of them said they were, they were not helpful. And several even said it hurts. So they didn't even take the time to read their own data, sending me studies that actually showed masks didn't work. We knew all along that the cloth mask would offer nothing. In a perfect world, an N95 mask would work. But for children, taking them on and off, eventually you're going to spread the virus.
3: What I told, was told by doctors originally, and I remember it, it's only two years ago, is the N95s aren't good because they've got to be fitted. So it's like, well, you can't have it because they need to be fitted for you. And plus, he said, "You know, when you're doing surgery, you don't want these on, and they're not comfortable. So now, even my daughter's college was told, for the last two weeks of the year,
11: wear N95s. And what are you supposed to do, drop out of college? Brian, isn't it just horrible, though, that that that's what's occurring right now? Uh, Again, this is a very low-risk group of people. I I wouldn't be surprised if 80 or 90 percent of the students there on campus have already had the virus. And I bet 95 percent of them have either had the virus or the vaccine. So what is the benefit of the mask? What is the harm of the mask? And I think there's significant psychosocial problems created by the mask. All right.
3: I want to – I want to – Ask you a couple of questions. we to take a break first and ask you about. Do you have time for Russia and Ukraine? Let's do it, Brian. All right. Uh, back in a moment. Senator Roger Marshall's here. Uh, more with the, the doctor, the military officer, and the sitting senator in just a moment.
2: Newsmakers and newsbreakers here at first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, The more you'll know, it's Brian
4: Kilmeade. Ukraine is an epicenter of unbearable heartache and pain. I witnessed that very vividly today around Kiev. The senseless loss of life, the massive destruction, the unacceptable violations of human rights and the laws of war.
3: And that is... uh... The General Secretary of the United Nations, after meeting in Moscow, goes to Kiev and they start rocketing Kiev. That's how nuts Vladimir Putin and uh, Moscow has been for the invasion that they're they're exposing the whole world to their barbarity and their ineptness as a military. With me right now in studio is Senator and Dr. Roger Marshall of Kansas. Uh, Senator, where do you stand on, on this war? I mean, we have the president of the United States asking you guys for thirty three billion dollars more. They clearly need it. Should we give it?
11: Brian, I want to do everything we can to help the Ukrainians. Uh, We've already given over $10 billion. We have 100,000 American troops right off the Ukraine border doing our part. We need to keep doing our part, but Europe needs to be leading on this as well. Europe needs to be paying their part. $30 billion more seems like a lot to ask for right now. Uh, I I guess I would just say it's day 64 of this war. Where has the Biden administration doing? They've they've only given a fraction or done a fraction of what they could do with sanctions. So, for instance, most of the energy sanctions on Russian banks don't go in effect until June. So we need to double down on our sanctions, implementing the sanctions. We don't need more sanctions. We need to implement the sanctions we have. We need Europe to do more as well. We need our neighbors, our allies to do more. Let's do our part as well.
3: Senator, how do you feel about the Secretary of Defense coming out and saying what we'd like to do is make sure that Russia is degraded enough so they're not invading another neighbor again as an objective? I thought it was what you guys talked about behind closed doors. I was surprised to see the Secretary of Defense say that because it seems to play into a Russia propaganda line is we're really fighting NATO and America who wants to destroy us as opposed to
11: we're invading our neighbor. Right. So, Brian, as, as I've traveled recently to those nations around the Black Sea, that's what they described to me as why is America so ambiguous? Where are they? Why are they not leading? Look, you are the leader of the free world. It's time the United States started acting like it. So our neighbors, our friends, our allies wonder who we are, and they know that we have a very weak president and weak policy. And also, the
3: ground is not plowed with Saudi Arabia to make up for the oil and gas we're missing. They had a good relationship. Without them, there's no Abraham Accords. A lot of that had to do with Iran. The fact that we really were putting them uh, uh, under tremendous strain. And they are rivals with Iran. And Saudi Arabia, far from a perfect country. But as they started making peace with Israel, with four agreements, in two years, they were answering our call for help.
11: Now they don't even answer Joe Biden's phone calls. Yeah, that's it, Brian. Again, just did a little trip to Israel, Jordan, Egypt, uh, and Turkey as well. And that's the description right there, what what you're describing. Are they going to wait out this administration? Are they
3: feeling like in four years we'll just wait for Republicans to get in there?
11: Well, what they're scared about is the Iran deal going through and given Iran mis- uh, nuclear missiles, because then if, if Iran gets them, then Saudi's going to have to get them, and Turkey's going to have to get them, and, and Egypt's going to have to they get them. They so can get
3: them, too, right? They'll go right to Pakistan.
11: Well, I, I think that they've got a plan, right? So that, that's just it. America has disappeared. That momentum that we had in the Middle East, we've lost all that momentum.
3: But I tell you, a lot of Republicans don't want to be involved in the Ukraine war. They don't really want to be involved in the Middle East. Do you get that sense that the Republicans are somewhat divided on this?
11: I I really don't. In our our private – uh, conferences that we have, uh, we have lunch together every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I don't hear that sentiment. I think it's at what level. Certainly we don't want American boots on the ground. We don't want Americans in the air. But I haven't heard really anybody stand up. I would say maybe two or three people Rand say, say at, what, at what level are we going to be involved in it. But I, I think that most of us, the supermajority of us, the leadership thinks that we have a responsibility there.
3: I, I don't think I have to tell you what came out yesterday. Our economy grew at a negative rate after a huge uh, previous quarter. I think he caught this administration by
11: surprise. Did it catch you by surprise? You know, it, it didn't. And, and everyone you know is talking about different parts of inflation, but no one's talking about the overregulations of this government. Overregulations kill the economy. And in less than six months, this Biden administration – undid what everything President Trump got done as far as rolling back regulations. So I think we're seeing those regulations hit the ground. We have 3 million people that still have not reentered the workforce. So all this is additive, and it's leading up to stagflation. We're going to keep seeing more inflation at the same time the economy is stalling. So I guess I'm not surprised, unfortunately.
3: You're not surprised, but when you see inflation going up, you see interest rates go up. People say traditionally if you want to get inflation under control, you raise interest rates, and that could be coming in six months. Is there another plan, Senator, besides raising interest rates, stopping that first time buyer, stopping that big acquisition from going place because going through because it just doesn't make sense anymore?
11: Right. So if inflation is caused by too many dollars chasing too few goods and services, so let's cut the supply of dollars by raising inflation. Uh, rates, uh, or interest rates, excuse me, along with quantitative tightening. But at the same time, we need to increase the goods and services. So we need to get those people back to work and unclog these production lines, the supply chains as, as well. Really go back to the Trump policies. This is not rocket science. Right, but
3: but the supply chain may be being squelched by China, who's not letting their people out and shutting down ports, correct?
11: Right. right. So, of course, that's additive to the problem. That's but, not this administration's fault, but it's America's fault that we're not doing more to move those supply chains chains back. Your it's happening. We're moving those supply chains back.
3: Senator Marshall, thanks so much for being here. Exciting time to be in Washington, and maybe you'll be in the majority next time I talk to you. I hope so, Brian. Thanks for having me. Great show. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, keep it here. you listening to the Brian me Show. Don't forget, One Nation, Saturday night, 8 o'clock on Fox News.
2: From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 866 408 We have a lot to discuss, a lot on our docket, coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, uh, Janice Dean will be here, you know what she has done As uh, uh, her best-selling book Talks about it And now she, well, by taking on uh, Governor Cuomo The way she did, she'll be with us At the bottom of the hour She's got some, There's some uh, lawsuits going on still And of course you got the other big story About the gerrymandering in New York The same thing as North Carolina, Ohio And maybe Florida is next They said it's unconstitutional They did it so severely In such a partisan way Janice on that, Geraldo Rivera standing by So let's get to the big three
2: now with the
4: stories you need to know it's brian's big three number three ukraine is an epicenter of unbearable heartache and pain i witnessed that very vividly today around kiev the senseless loss of life the massive destruction the unacceptable violations of human rights and the laws of war
3: And that is uh, the U.N. General Secretary after Kyiv was rocketed knowing he was there meeting with Zelensky. Amazing. Uh, It is insanity. The Russia bombs Kyiv, we know that. Putin shows how foolhardy and reckless he is as Russia continues to pay a heavy price for their bloodthirsty invasion as now Europe is beginning to make major moves to get off oil and gas from Russia.
1: Number two. I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what that would look like for the marginalized communities all around the world, which are already shouldering so much of this abuse, disproportionate amounts of this abuse.
3: Uh, that is true. Uh, that is Nina Jakowitz. She is the executive director of the DSS de- infra disinformation. I'm not kidding. Musk madness gives rebirth to a disinformation czar and a woman in charge, Nina Jakowitz, comes to the job with almost no credibility and put sacrificing all of her integrity in an effort to make democratic causes front and center. Way to go, Joe. Nice selection.
5: Number one. Secretary, have, have any of the 42 illegal migrants on the terrorist watch list or no-fly list encountered on our southwest border been released into the United States? I do not know the answer to your question. Do not know whether they have been released or not into the country. That's your testimony.
6: Uh, Ranking member uh, Jordan, as I've said before, I will provide you the data.
3: Uh, No, you won't if you don't have it already. Showdown throwdown on Capitol Hill over the international collapse, the intentional collapse of our border, and the sinister HHS secretary that won't even acknowledge it. We will bring you the fireworks and the reaction. Let's bring in Geraldo Rivera. It's Geraldo.
7: Am I the fireworks?
3: You are. You have to be ticked off about the lack of candor that took place in the legitimate exasperation, not the theatrical one that was on display over these last two days. Am I right?
7: Uh, you know, Brian, I think that the the emphasis should be on the word theatrical because I think that uh, the lack of manners, the lack of any kind of uh, grace or dignity in in congressional. Hearings is uh, is appalling. I I can't I can't stand it. I I watched for a couple of minutes, and I just say these guys are are Performing this is performance art for their reelection campaign. It really is very distressing now Let me let me get to the substance of it as far as I know there has never been at least in terms of Islamic Terrorism there has never been a a penetration of the southern border by an Islamist terrorist as, as far as I know, ever since uh, all of the regulations were put in place following 9/11. Now, on, in terms of the people on this terror watch list, I don't know who they are. I don't know where that information comes from. I would be very eager uh, to find out. I I, I am uh, I join you in being in feeling dismay over the lack of candor from. Uh, from the secretary, but I, I would like to put the politics aside and find the truth. Is this indeed evidence of a terrorist, a successful terrorist or potential terrorist penetration of the southern border? If so, it represents uh, an escalation in the in the yeah. border crisis i don 't know that that 's a fact.
3: Well, well, put it this way. I would not have gone to that hearing if i 'd have an answer. What happened until it was forty two That should be a hard and fast policy they 're in jail in such and such prison. They're scattered. They're all 42 are here, here and here. Have a staffer sitting there and go, I'll get, the, I'll get that to you in 10 minutes. Hold on. Unless you're embarrassed by what you have to say, maybe one of the 42 got one of those cell phones and got on a bus and is told to check in. Or what? what about the 22 sex offenders over the last two months in 20, the first three months in 2022 that have been captured at the border? Where are they?
7: Going back to the – I don't want to leave the terrorism issue yeah. Yeah. until uh, until we uh, resolve it to our mutual satisfaction. But I think that the truth uh, in terms of who they are, is this a real thing that happened or the, is this political grandstanding? Because of what I started with, with all these diatribes and all this polemics uh, and all this drama – uh, you never know truth from politics. So I, I, I really think you, yet they should take that disinformation person and have her uh, go after Mayorkas and Jordan and find out who is telling the truth and what the truth is. In terms of the sex offenders, you know, horrible. The whole situation is, is melancholy and disturbing on the southern border. There's no doubt because of the uh, the reporting from Fox News and uh, our bill, uh, what's his name? Illusion at the border with the drones there's no more denying no. that there's a flood of humanity and among that group there's and uh, you know uh, inevitably people who have uh, committed some crime i will say quickly because i know that uh, that that it's outrageous uh, that uh, generally speaking those people coming across are hard working uh, law-abiding, uh, other than the fact that they're crossing without documentation, they're people who are seeking jobs. Uh, they, they are coming from desperately poor places uh, where they have oppression and 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 corruption and so forth. Well, they
3: know our our place is just better.
7: They yes, but they re- I, I don't. It's not a reason to, to come. Be sex offenders. My point is yeah. that. Generally speaking, when you have undocumented migrants, because they live in fear of being deported, generally speaking, those communities like Passaic and Patterson in New Jersey and so many others uh, that post-industrial towns that were dead, that are now repopulated largely with undocumented people, crime is way down. So, uh, you know, these are the people delivering the pizzas and uh, mowing the lawns and patching the roofs and, you know, processing the uh, the poultry and packing the uh, the meat and and uh, and tilling the farms these are generally speaking washing the dishes you know these are people generally speaking who want just to work i don't know you know amongst them are there bad apples or that i'm sure
3: yeah i think uh this is an unprecedented flat-out invasion that i find so disturbing because he started off with an untruth he's saying i inherited a broken system uh, he did not inherit a broken system that we know it didn't. You may not like the policies. The minute you walk into a country, you apply for citizenship there, even if it's to ours. The remain in Mexico, the, the Marines on the southern border, the Mexican Marines on their southern border, taking away the aid for countries that didn't control their own borders. We know all this. So uh, to say you inherit and with Title 42, to say inherit a broken system is a lie. So whatever you say after that, you've lost me. How do you feel about this new uh, push to have a director of disinformation way overdue Geraldo is that going to make America a better place
7: uh, absolutely not I hate those kinds of uh, you know bureaucrats that interpose themselves in uh you know, it should be free, free speech and free communication. But I want to go back to the border in terms of solving the border. To me, what causes great dismay is how nobody wants to fix the border. If you're in power, you're, you're befuddled as to what to do. Democrats now in power, Republicans out of power. Are they suggesting remedies? No, they're complaining about the situation. It was exactly the same uh, during Trump. Were the Democrats trying to find solutions, people in cages and so forth? Uh, No, the the party out of power in the Trump administration, the Democrats, all they wanted to do was make Trump look bad. Why don't these two parties get together and try to solve this damn problem? For example, now at Title 42, what Title 42 does brilliantly is it says uh, we are going to uh, interrupt the process by which you come to our country, apply for asylum, and immediately are granted some kind of temporary reprieve. Uh, What we should do is codify. Why don't we make that a law? It shouldn't be an executive order. It should be a bipartisan law that says for now we are suspending asylum or, or, or we are making you remain in Mexico when you apply for asylum. Uh, this is now the law agreed to by Democrats and Republicans. Let's try to solve this problem. Make Title 42 a law, not an executive order, and have, it, have the, all these big mouths on both sides of the aisle get together and force Biden, President Biden, into taking action and making laws uh, stick, not executive orders that uh, they come and go with uh, with the
3: different presidency. But, Gerardo, nothing moves forward, especially the easy stuff without border security. As soon as you get the border control, if they had, uh, for one thing, I think that if if people were true to their word, Trump should have taken the deal uh, when they walked in and said, I'll give you the whole wall uh, for a pathway to citizenship. And, of course, the devil's in the details. I get that. But if both sides were dealing honestly and you could have got that wall built, the high-tech wall built, and then within three years, start making a move on other areas for work visas and down, uh, for people to have an opportunity to stay here, to keep our first-round draft picks at Stanford and elsewhere, to, to, to take their knowledge that, we, that they took from us and keep it here. The other stuff would have worked out. But the minute the border fell apart, you can't even talk about comprehensive immigration reform.
7: Well, I think that you just sounded so reasonable, Brian, that I wish that I heard that tone from Washington D.C. That uh, we can do this. That like that was that's a good deal. I, like Sean Hannity battered me for 20 years. Finally, I said, okay, I'm okay with the wall as long as it has uh, big doors in it and yeah, uh, you take tech. care of the dreamers and so forth. And and but the Democrats gum that up because the notion of our, our building a wall is to Democrats an insult, some kind of ideological insult that I don't get, because there are plenty of Democrats along the border who are asking for border security. Border security is for everybody. Everybody needs, to. every nation needs to have a secure border if it's going to have sovereignty. I'm all for it. But what my, my distress is, Brian, that it doesn't seem to me that there are people on the, Right side of the aisle on the Democrat on the Republican side of the aisle that are in in the, you know uh, in the mood right. for any kind of compromise. Democrats certainly are not. It was, it was closer
3: years it ago. It was closer years ago when the yeah, big debate George was w. pathway to uh, citizenship. Yeah. Absolutely, and I know Absolutely. people are upset by that. There was pathway, and so here's here's the thing that I would say that might be the with the game changer if the Hispanic vote continues to shift to Republicans and they prove that they earned it. And when Democrats no longer see future voting base in illegals coming across the border, maybe they'll start dealing with this more honestly and sincerely. Because the Republicans were like, okay, they're going to get a bunch of Hispanics, here, are not going to vote for us, when more and more seem to be going across, even during Donald, more than ever during Donald Trump's four years.
7: Ronald Reagan said famously that Hispanics are natural Republicans. They may not know it yet. And it is absolutely true. As a Republican Latino myself, the, the, the Latino community is a faith-based, family-oriented, law-abiding community. That is the natural instincts. The Republican Party is appealing to them, and they are looking at the Democratic Party and saying, what have you done for me? What are you doing for my community? We are the largest minority group in this country right now. And I really do believe that that trend uh, appealing to the entrepreneurial instincts. You know, you, you have a Hispanic uh, uh, guy on the corner selling a bottle of water. He sells it, he gets a dollar, he uses the dollar, buys two bottles of water, uh, you know, 50 cents each at the store, comes back to the corner. Now he has two bottles of water, and he sells it, and he gets four bottles of water, and so forth. I've seen it happen in my family. My, my family is vast. My father was one of 17 children and came from Puerto Rico, one of 17, all of them. Uh, got jobs that are were enterprising, and yeah. they opened a bodega, or they uh, you know they hired, uh, they became the uh, the kitchen help, then the supervisors of the kitchen, then the owners of the diner, uh, like my father did, Mass Pico Diner in your neighborhood. Uh, yet they they are my dad, my dad was also became a Republican. Uh, they, there is uh, you know yeah. that spirit, but it, what you need is not this toxicity, and you don't want uh, Republican grandstanders making demon demonizing the immigrant community you want them extolling their virtue
3: you know what it was Uh, Geraldo I think it was it's so bad and and there's no attempt to fix it and it's almost as if it's intentional and you've you have a temper I when you see Jim Jordan go I've seen theater I've seen him mad or whatever uh, and you go from A to Z they're like what are you doing you're doing this on purpose how dare you not tell me the truth to my face in front of a national audience
7: but so, what if you? What if you were Majorca? What if it was you? Who co- was? Who is the first immigrant? By the way, he's an immigrant from Cuba. I don't know if he was legal when he came, but he's an immigrant. He's the first immigrant ever to head up that yeah. uh, that department. So when you when you basically ranking the guy out the way we used to in 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 high school, uh, and you're making him you know making him seem like he's a, he's a, a, a you know a, a Tommy saboteur, Uh, you you know you're not going to get anything anything done. I wish Mm. that there was. He's not trying. Yeah, that's I I wish Trump would speak about it, and I wish that he would present a three point plan. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to finish the wall. Uh, We're going to make remain in Mexico a law. We're going to give the dreamers a pathway to citizenship. You know, uh, you know, and uh, and I want all of you Hispanics to be Republicans. I, right. I think that you could you could make movement, but my, my point is that you, when you gotcha. have people just trying to undermine any kind of uh, uh, positive action or bl- put, place blame, I think but, but El Majorca
3: uh, belongs to blame. He broke it on purpose and doesn't want to fix it. That's what's so incensing. That that's what gets me crazy. Even talking about it. Gerardo, okay. have a great weekend. Thanks have so a much. a
7: crazy weekend. All right, All right
3: Go ahead. Uh, we come back. Your calls.
2: If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with
12: Brian Kilmead. You want to bet that they will not move it out of Florida? I I would be willing to bet a lot of money. And, uh, you know, it it probably costs a half a trillion dollars to do that. It just simply ends with them being treated the same as every other company in Florida. Uh, They're going to follow laws. They're not going to have their own government. Uh, They're going to pay their debts, pay their taxes, and it's fine. But I am not comfortable having one company with their own government and special privileges when that company has pledged itself to attacking the parents in my state. It's wrong. Walt Disney would not want that. And so get back to the mission. Do what you did great. That's why people love the company and you've lost your way. Maybe this will be the wake up call that they need to get back on track.
3: And that is uh, Governor DeSantis with Laura Ingram last night in Florida where he had a chance to talk to myriad of issues he's been involved with and in helping, uh, and he's been so successful at it, arguably the most successful governor of the country, especially through the most challenging time, and that's the pandemic. And now we might be looming, have a looming recession, where now he's taken on corporations that wanted to take him on. What they blew at Disney is, is coming out and saying, we will do everything in our power to stop this uh, bill, which was a parental rights bill. They mischaracterize it and then decide to fight it. You don't fight DeSantis, especially when he's right, which has been most of the time he's on a streak. So we'll see if there's something behind the scenes by June of 2023 that allows Disney to stay as an autonomous zone. I don't see it right now.
2: That makes you think this is the Brian Kilmeade show.
1: Most of the disinformation that we've seen this highly emotionally manipulative content is coming from the right. If you look at the top 10, you know, most engaged with posts on Facebook or Twitter on a given day, uh, they are usually posts that are coming from the right. And that's because the right does deal in this highly emotional rhetoric.
3: Uh, that is the new disinformation czar. That's what I call her. She's somebody who is uh, eight months pregnant and has taken over their position that will decide um, unilaterally or with a small cadre of people what's disinformation and what's not. And her judgment so far has been absolutely awful. I'll give you an example. She thought when it came to the laptop, it was Russian disinformation. I mean, you look at her resume. She's a specialist in Eastern European uh, history. She knows uh, the fingerprints of all this different disinformation, uh, what is fake and what is not. But then if you look at what she was able to identify, she had it exactly wrong. Very political. She says, on the laptop from hell. Biden notes 50 former uh, national security officials and five former CIA heads believe the laptop is Russian influence uh, and opposition research. Trump says Russia, Russia, Russia. She went on to tweet, for those who believe that tweet is key to it, all my views is simply direct quote from the candidates through the final presidential debate. But you're the one with all the experience that should have enabled you to see through that. But you didn't. Because you're a political operative, and that is the key. And just to finish this off, uh, in terms of what we could be looking at, because this is all prompted, I believe, by the acquisition, possibly, it looks like, uh, of Elon Musk of, uh, of Twitter, which could be happening. Officially, it's going to be a few months, but unofficially, you could start taking control. And I could do it by weeding a lot of people out. Here is the other cut that I want you to hear from Nina Djokovic. This is November 2020. Uh, number 12.
1: I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what that would look like for the marginalized communities all around the world, which are already shouldering so much of this abuse, disproportionate amounts of this abuse.
3: Are you nuts? Are you disadvantaged communities are suffering because of disinformation? Uh, Most of those disadvantaged communities are not looking at Russian disinformation. So what this committee is going to do, I don't know. I almost think it's such a stupid idea. I almost think it's a head fake. With me right now is uh, Janice Dean. Uh, You know, she's a weather forecaster extraordinaire. Has a few minutes here uh, before you start your weekend, which is mostly partying. Of course, always partying. Right, a rollicking good time. And what you're referring to this morning. You used— talk about
9: disinformation. Exactly. You used a word that I am very familiar with, rollicking, and Stephen Ainsley thought it was a made-up word, but you proved them wrong.
3: I. They said Brian, it's frolicking, and I said you don't say rollicking. They said no, you don't say you don't say rollicking. You say frolicking. Yeah. You just forgot a letter. No, rollicking
9: so, is better than frolicking.
3: Because I rollick, <laughs> but the problem is rollick and frolick usually said in the same sentence. I like to rollick and fro frolic both at the I, same time. Yeah. Well, Don't that's confusing. confusing. Right. Right. So um, I I was vindicated, but for a while with this new program, I would have been under arrest for give, telling America that rollicking was a word.
9: You would have been arrested, and then I for would have been
3: immediately released.
9: Right. Under word this new police. Inst-
3: yes, the word police. This newest, I could be spreading disinformation that rollicking was a word. You're under arrest, sir. Come with me.
9: I love the word rollicking, and I suggest that every day on Fox & Friends, we have a new word uh, that might perplex
3: some. Mm. You mean there might be doubtful, it might not be a word? Correct. Gotcha. Don't
9: you think people would tune into that? No. And we could do it before the commercial I'm bored break. already.
3: I'm just, I would not, pay. I don't want to c- come people, into the morning show to learn one new word. Can
9: people uh, contact you right now and tell you that they would like to have a word of the day on Fox and Friends?
3: No, this is security. You're talking about just come upstairs? And <laughs> no. just What are you talking about?
9: Well, they can email Allison and she can let us know that most of the audience yeah. would like to know a new Allison, word of the what's day. what's your cell
3: phone? <laughs> can, they, can they call you?
9: They, they can. They can? They're not likely to answer, but they can or, call. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that reminds me. You know how hard it is to get a human being on the phone these days? I mean, worse than ever. I'm. If you want to get hold of a person to talk about flight changes or right. flight delays, that will put you in a queue of at least two hours to get right. to a person. I tried to make an MRI appointment. Uh, which is something I do on a yearly basis. I have multiple sclerosis. People know that. And so I have to make sure that I have no new lesions on my brain. It's an important thing I have to do. I could not get in touch with a real person For a week, we were playing telephone tags. So I finally ended up calling the number and just pressing a bunch of of numbers and saying, Representative, 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 finally got somebody who was mad that they had to answer the phone to make an appointment for a really important procedure.
3: It's unbelievable. Yeah. Can I recommend something? What? You get your own MRI. At home. <laughs>
9: a new, my own MRI machine? Yes. You know that Stony Brook were, was the school that came up with the MRI machine here in New York?
3: Did not know that. Yeah, it's true. It's an affordable school located on the east end of yes. Rhode Island.
9: Maybe they have MRI machines. Maybe now that I've with, given them a shout out. Right.
3: Maybe they'll give it, They'll have an extra.
9: Maybe I'm they, sorry. I'm using this as sort of a, a complaining right. place.
3: So let's talk about what's happening in New York politics. Because yes. so oftentimes New York sets the tone for the rest of the country. This is uh, happening again. So what happens is when you're the governor in power and you're legislator in power in your state, you try to draw the lines, uh, the gerrymander lines, uh, that's most beneficial for your party. It's always been the case. But if you do it so severely, it comes out unconstitutional. In North Carolina, they got reprimanded. They had to go redo it again. Same thing with Ohio and one other state. But now New York had was so insane the way they drew their uh, battle lines that they have to go back to the drawing board. And they got in, they got two weeks to put it all together. It
9: says the deadline is April 30th. A lower level court has ruled that the maps were unconstitutional. Given the legislature April 30th to come up with new maps or leave the task to a court-appointed expert. And they asked Kathy Hochul yesterday,
3: and she it. was just like,
9: "I have uh, that'll be taken care of. No problem. It'll be okay. Everybody's fine."
3: Yeah. So the Dems were hoping for at least the old lines. Now the GOP is hoping for a better divide. We know the we, uh, New York lost seats because a lot of people left the state. Uh, some candidates don't know if they'll even have a district to run in. That's crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what that's what happens. I mean, that that's what happened to um, um, Kinsinger, Adam Kinsinger, in, uh, in Illinois. They lost so many people that they ba- basically drew out his district. Right. So when he had he had to go run somebody else's district, you know, he wouldn't have won. Uh, the new map may uh, uh, has to be done by May sixteenth, finalized by the twentieth. And with reason why this is a national story, it could decide the balance of power in the House. Of course. Right. So there's only five seats. And if the Democrats feel as though if they could have some type of good news and redraw these, these states Which in they the right did. way.
9: They did. They went and drew the maps. So that means the primaries could be on a different day in a different month.
3: Like August. Yeah. And so if you're running for governor, you got to continue to run for the nomination through the summer. But I mean in New York, Zeldin's going to get it, right?
9: Well, i I have no knowledge on this, but it do, does seem it does seem that he is probably going to be
3: He's up by like 20, 30 points. I mean, how much more divided are you going to be? Do you think Rudy Giuliani uh, stumping for Andrew is helping? uh well, maybe.
9: I mean, I, that's why I think that I, all of these candidates could should have a, a shot at it.
3: Don't you agree? Yeah, but not a not a six month shot because no. then when by the Kathy Hochul's got a machine supporting her, mm-hmm. even though she's made a series of bad decisions. Number one, threw out all these obligations to pensions that kept the budget somewhat in order. Number two, I'm all for the Buffalo Bills, but you should have consulted someone Terrible. before you gave them six hundred million dollars yeah.
9: of taxpayer money. Yeah, I, I think people are really mad, and, and it should have been Buffalo. on a ballot. They should have. Taxpayers should have had a say in this, and she just went ahead and did it. And it looks like her own family, her own husband, is going to benefit from this. He's like a concession stand guy. I did not know that. Yeah. He uh, he works for a concession stand company, which obviously is benefited by these big stadiums.
3: So we'll we'll see what happens there. But what is happening with Governor Cuomo, who's fancying some type of comeback? He keeps missing deadlines. He's got a ton of money. Is he in any legal trouble still?
9: Well, uh, my friend Daniel Arbini, uh, I've known the Arbini family for almost two years now. They also lost their father uh, to COVID, which he contracted in his New York nursing home, a Brooklyn nursing home. Uh, Daniel has filed a federal civil lawsuit. He did that yesterday uh, and uh, wants to sue not only Cuomo, he wants to sue the state of New York, Melissa DeRosa, who was his top aide, who admitted that they undercounted the numbers, and Howard Zucker, who was the health commissioner who has since stepped down. So he filed that by... By himself uh, and and is going to go forward uh, to try to. I mean, this is a story of David and Goliath. He really is David against the whole machine of Andrew and Cuomo. And people will
3: jump on board if he is. There, I hope so. Yeah, here's, here's, here's what he said yesterday on WGY Radio, Cup 44.
13: Fast forward a couple of months, and we hear and learn that our governor is writing a book. The week after his book went out, we hold a mock funeral for his leadership and integrity. People are coming out of the woodwork to tell us what has happened to them. So we're learning things that nobody else knew at the time. But we met a lot of other what we call COVID orphans. We met Janice Dean at, at that event. And got close to her after what her in-laws went through. Our dear friend from that we grew up at around the corner lost both his parents to COVID in the nursing home. His mother got it in the nursing home. The father was visiting the mother; he got it. They both died in a week.
3: So that's why he's taking on and there's no apology, there's no acknowledgement. Nothing. What other states did the same thing?
9: Well, New Michigan? Jersey, New Jersey, and by the way, New Jersey paid 30, fifty-three million over COVID deaths at a veterans' home. They did that. They settled that just a few months ago. Uh, So New Jersey, that would be Murphy. They did exactly the same thing. They put COVID-positive patients into nursing homes by the thousands. Michigan, Whitmer, Governor Whitmer did the same thing, and we found out she was covering up the numbers as well. That has been proven uh, by an audit. And then we also have Pennsylvania. Governor Wolf did the same thing, putting COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. uh, And there are several other states. Wow. So we need need to Start with New York, and then from there, if there's a precedent set, then we go. We, then we need to do the same thing in every other state that put COVID positive patients in a nursing homes. And by the way, uh, the UK High Court across the pond ruled that this type of action was illegal. They did exactly the same thing in the UK of putting COVID patients in a nursing well, homes. Was there a
3: financial reason why this could have happened? Was it pay more to send people back?
9: Yeah, it's 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 a big hospital lobby thing. The hospitals, from what I gather, wanted paying customers to come into their, their hospitals and got rid of the seniors, which they decided to put back into the nursing homes, uh, even though they were supposed to protect the vulnerable. This is what I don't understand. They had all of us quarantined so that we couldn't go out, but yet they put COVID into the most vulnerable places where our seniors lived and did it without us knowing.
3: Wow. Between the crime and between uh, the budget, would see Kathy Hochul looks way over her head, a ridiculous naming of a lieutenant governor who's under indictment. Right. Who, who ran on to fund the police. Yeah. So between all this, do you think that there's a sense that a Republican has a shot? Because I saw one Lee Zeldin poll. He was up a point against Hochul. I think
9: if, if there's ever a time for a different party in New York State, it's now.
3: So do, listen, one more thing for Arbini. Do you remember— Trump and Cuomo were just fighting nonstop, and then they'd get along, then they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. So, what do you need? Because I need ventilators, and I need need to make my makeshift hospitals. They ignored Good Samaritan's Purse that opened up in Central Park, and then they converted the Javits Center to a big hospital.
9: Spent, uh, I mean, millions of dollars
3: doing that. And here's what Arbini said, cut 45.
13: Governor Cuomo had at his disposal, thanks to President Trump, 2,000 beds, besides Samaritan's Purse, 135 beds. Extra in New York City to be used by anybody and everybody. Did you know that our dear governor, in quotes, decided to make the Javits Center and the USS Comfort almost impossible for people to get into? That's true. He increased the health requirements such that nobody could use it. So you he had to purposely sh- kept people out of the USS Comfort and the Javits Center, and he made the, on- the only option. Was to go into a nursing home where two weeks before this he said it was like fire through dry grass because we learned from yep. Washington State what happens.
9: and that's why we need an independent bipartisan investigation to mm-hmm. find out the why. I mean, there were nursing homes that actually asked that they could they bring the patients to the USS Comfort, and they were denied.
3: Wow! Uh, when we come back, we're going to find out there's uh, more to know. Uh, Janice Deans here for a little while longer. You're listening. Are to there the- snacks? Mm. I don't have that type of budget. This is radio. I mean, TV, you have someone who comes in at 8.50 when our show's just about over, two hours and 50 minutes in, and give us yeah. snacks.
9: I might not be here after the break. Because? I need to eat.
3: Back in a moment.
2: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. breaking news unique opinions hear it all on the brian kilmeade show
12: i've decided to sign for one more year on the show and that this will be this will be my last year hosting the late night show don't you dare this will be my last year hosting the show um you know when when i when i when i started this when i started this journey it was always going to be just that it was going to be a journey. An adventure. I, I never saw it as my final destination, you know? And I, I never want this show to overstay its welcome in any way. I always want to love making it. And uh, I really think in a year from now, that'll be a good time to, to move on and, and see what else might be out there. So that is James Corden, the most talented guy in
3: late night. He's going to call quits in one year. Why? It makes you wonder if there's more to know. More to know. I think he's bored. Personally, I think he's bored. You think? I do. What I, about uh, ratings? Uh, I think he's solid, but I think most of his stuff is streaming. Like he gets his, the <clears> car. his YouTube and stuff, and um, I guess he got some criticism because the karaoke. Did you see this story? That the karaoke stuff, the carpool karaoke that yeah. he invented, he's on a tra- he's on a, a, a flatbed. He's not actually driving. (gasps) No, that's all fake. Is that a problem?
9: Yes. You think that they're driving around New York City and he's driving. That's so that's Uh, all fake news. No.
3: Well, he's on the back. They're going through the streets of Los Angeles, but he's on the flatbed.
9: Oh, but he's not driving. Right. Well, it just takes the magic completely out of it. I don't think so. Well, I sort Uh, of because, you know, like he's driving. You think he might get into an accident here or there. All right. Hit a bicyclist. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want I don't want that to happen
3: you going to do the next one?
9: Oh, hi. Oh, yeah, you did that one. Uh, I want to do this one because it relates to us in morning show. Average American sets four different alarms to wake up. In a poll of 2,000 adults, one quarter typically sleep in a bit because they believe it helps their relationship with their family, friends, and coworkers. But the average American sets four different alarms to wake up on a normal day. And that's not even a morning show host. Do you have different alarms? No.
3: One alarm. One. That's it? I uh, hit a snooze a few times. Does Usually... it?
9: Is it rock music that wakes you up? What's the? No, it's
3: a it's a noise. It's a beep. It's beep, a noise. Beep. Yeah. But I will say this: people can rationalize anything to get the snooze. One, like it'll help America <laughs> if I sleep more. It'll help everyone. I'll reduce traffic in the bathroom. Yeah. Or it'll be better for. Uh, it'll be better for my day. It'll give my clothes more time to hang there alone. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> Next, <laughs> the cost of Zoom. Uh, Oh, uh, is it true we're done? Oh, no! A new academic study shows in-person meetings generally have, have more ideas and are more creative uh, and compared to video conferencing. I, I love, knew that.
9: I mean, I love this time with
3: you. Well, it was good. It was better than Zooming.
9: It really according was. According to all
3: studies. All right, I, we'll see you Monday, Janice. I,
9: I will be here. Don't complain about the weather.
3: No, I won't. It's not your fault.
2: Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Thank Kilmeade. Thanks here, everybody.
3: It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. At the bottom of the hour, we have Brett Baer in studio. If you're watching Fox Nation, you can see Jason Chavitz is here. Uh, we're coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world, especially in the Ukraine, uh, we hope. Uh, big weekend show, of course. we got Saturday night at 8 o'clock. One nation. Uh, I'm going to find out and get to the bottom of it. Will the will Sweden join NATO? We have the Swedish ambassador to the United States joining us, so maybe get an answer to that question. Last week we looked at Finland. looks like they're on the fast course too. So before we get to Jason, let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's
4: Big Three. Number three. Ukraine is an epicenter of unbearable heartache and pain. I witnessed that very vividly today around Kiev, the senseless loss of life, the massive destruction, the unacceptable violations of human rights and the laws of war.
3: Yeah, that is uh, the U.N. General Secretary. Can you believe this? Insanity. Russia bombs Kiev with the U.N. General Secretary meeting in the nation's capital, fresh off meeting in Vladimir Putin's capital in Moscow as Russia continues to pay a heavy price for their foolhardy, bloodthirsty invasion of their neighbor. The latest from the battlefield.
1: Number two. I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what that would look like for the marginalized communities all around the world, which are already shouldering so much of this abuse, disproportionate amounts of this abuse.
3: Where do you get these people? That's Nina Jackowitz musk madness give birth to a disinformation czar and a disinformation committee and the woman in charge jackowitz comes to comes to the job with no credibility as a repeatedly spread disinformation on hunter's laptop and has slam musk twitter takeover way to go joe
5: number one secretary have any of the 42 illegal migrants on the terrorist watch list or no fly list encountered on our southwest border been released into the united states I do not know the
6: answer to your question.
5: do not know whether they have been released or not into the country.
6: That's uh, your testimony. Ranking member uh, Jordan, as I've said before, I will provide you the data.
3: Unbelievable. That's the Homeland Security Secretary. Showdown, throwdown on Capitol Hill over the intentional collapse of our border and the sinister HHS Secretary who won't even acknowledge it will bring in the fireworks and the reaction. Uh, Congressman, now Jason Chaffetz, Fox News contributor and host, anchor everything. I've seen that's as fiery of two days as I have seen in a long time. How about, what about you? Um,
0: there is nothing that can justify the positions of Secretary Mayorkas. First of all, shame on the Fifty-six senators who voted to confirm him, including six Republicans. Every one of them should uh, have to answer this. Mayorkas was integrally involved with the Obama administration. He is not taking on radically new positions. He's just regurgitating what he did in the Obama administration. But Jay Johnson
3: was much better, wasn't he? Oh, he
0: was. He was much more competent. Mayorkas has been a political clown. He was reprimanded by the inspector general uh, for giving political favors out for visas. Um, he, He is... Absolutely horrific. This disinformation campaign is, I, I think it's unconstitutional. I think they're doing it to give social media and other traditional outlets an excuse to do further suppression of conservative viewpoints it's obviously political in its its nature but it's also that was something that was tried in the obama administration they had what was called sopa the stop online piracy act they tried to give unilateral authority through legislation to homeland security to take down websites and guess what it didn't pass right so now
3: they're trying to do it through an executive order who even knows if the president knows what's going on here back to the border for a moment Here's Congressman Jordan, and I'm going to ask you the same question, but here's what he speculates. The border is so porous. It's handled so terribly. They've defanged ICE. They've diminished the border patrol. The only thing they cared about is when those horse border patrol agents evidently were doing something inappropriate to the Haitians, which turned out not to be true. Cut five.
5: We have a secretary of Homeland Security who is intentionally, deliberately, in a premeditated fashion, executing a plan, his words, executing a plan to overwhelm our country with millions and millions of illegal migrants. Executing a plan that causes all kinds of harm to people who make the journey, executing a plan that results in record levels of fentanyl and other drugs entering our nation, Executing a plan that stresses our border agents, stresses our education and health care system, stresses our nation.
3: Any hyperbole All there? All
5: done intentionally.
3: It, it, it's 100% correct. It is. Is it intentional? Like, why would someone want to fail this bed or are they failing?
0: It is intentional because the border was becoming increasingly secure until day one of the Biden-Harris administration. And how many times, Brian, have you interviewed and talked to people like Brian Judd, who's the head of the National Border Patrol Council? Don't take my word for it, although I've been to the border um, like six or seven times more than the president of the United States has in Kamala Harris. Uh Talk to the Border Patrol agents, the ICE officers, how overwhelmed and how the policies of this administration are not allowing them to do their job and they're doing the catch and release. The number one job of the Secretary of Homeland Security, the whole reason the agency was created was to protect the homeland from terrorists, not some Twitter person. But from terrorists, and he doesn't know off the top of his head how many terrorists are in the United States and how many were released. I think he actually does know that number. He doesn't want it exposed. So it was great questioning. Let's listen to it. Cut to.
5: Secretary, have any of the 42 illegal migrants on the terrorist watch list or no-fly list encountered on our southwest border been released into the United States? Uh, Ranking Member Jordan, as I mentioned before, I will provide
6: that data to you, mm-hmm. with respect to the disposition of each one, I do not know the answer to your question.
5: The Secretary of Homeland today. Security does not know the answer to the status of 42 individuals who came to our southern border illegally are on the no-fly list and the, uh, and the, no, uh, and the terrorist watch list. You do not, do not know whether they have been released or not into the country.
6: That's uh, your testimony. Ranking member uh, Jordan, as I've said before, I will provide you the data.
3: So how hard would it have been you do this stuff? to turn around to tell you staffer could you just give me the answer to that i'm going to sit here and they'll come back with the answer there why why are we waiting the, the, or is there something else
0: the hearing goes on for hours there were times when i was chairman i would actually go into recess and say you make whatever call you need to make come back in and tell us that answer but the gavel's not in jordan's hand yet i think the other the biggest
3: story coming out because of that he's hearing, ranking member because, if he was chairman it would have been a different story you could ask for it a real time absolutely
0: wow. and you can issue a subpoena for that information and have a due date that's that day you could do those types of things I think Congressman Stubbe's uh, questioning was actually the biggest story of the day, that it got zero coverage. He said that, hey, Mr. Mayorkas or Secretary Mayorkas, you said that white supremacy is the number one threat to our country. Can you name a single case that you have referred for prosecution on white supremacists? And the answer was zero. And then he highlighted a Department of Justice report that said that 50 percent, according to the congressman, 50 percent of the prosecutions going on through the federal Department of of Justice were aliens and that there were over 35,000 of those were from criminal aliens. There's a difference between aliens and criminal aliens. If half of the Department of Justice is spending their time on aliens, don't you think the threat of the southwest border is the biggest issue? And and, it, and and yet he can't name a single case where white supremacy was the case that they referred to
3: the DOJ. It's pretty nuts. So Nina Jankowicz uh... – came out and was named, even though she's eight and a half months pregnant, which is great, congratulations, but if you're about to take a job, should you be taking a job eight and a half months pregnant? You're going to be out for three be months. Pete Buttigieg, yeah. Pete yeah, exactly. Buttigieg, she took a job during a during a And nobody noticed while he was gone for two months. Well, but we didn't get anything delivered. We almost didn't have Christmas. And he didn't have a replacement to right. fill in, so who's going to fill in for her? That's terrible management. I yeah. mean, I mean whatever it is, you take paternity and maternity, whatever it is, I get it. But if, would you say, listen— you might want somebody else for the job. I'm about to give birth. Well, no, you can take the job, but, okay, who's going to be the acting person
0: until you come back? Yeah. I, I don't have any problem with that. But now we need to know, okay, if it's not her, who's going to fill in until she gets back from maternity leave?
3: So we understand, too, uh, we don't really have any precedent for this. But now we got the the fake news police. So Mayorkas testified two days ago that a disinformation government board has recently been created – Days after um, Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter, Uh, and by the way, when he heard about this, he just tweeted, discomforting, Musk posted on Twitter, (laughs) the board executive is Nina Jankowicz. She previously served as his disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center, which is really great and stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, So Jankowicz told NPR that she shudders to think about more free speech on social media platforms. She said that last week. This is part of the interview process. So here we go. Here she is. Uh, on NPR, talking about that, cut 11.
1: I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what that would look like for the marginalized communities all around the world, which are already shouldering so much of this abuse, disproportionate amounts of this abuse.
3: They reach for minorities in everything they say. What are they talking about? Disinformation's hurting the working class? And she said around the world.
0: So she thinks that her job is not just a domestic one. It's a global one that she's got to protect. Meanwhile, it's just – it is so counter – look, social media, traditional media, they're looking for an excuse to do the further suppression. I think one of the biggest vulnerabilities for Elon Musk taking over Twitter is his – actual exposure of the shadow banning and the suppression that when he's able to get his tentacles, gonna tell in us his skull, the algorithm. he's going to tell us about what happened. And if that is real and expose what Google alphabet, um, Facebook, Instagram, what they're doing, that I think is what they're really ultimately scared of.
3: When you hire somebody at this level, you got to go through a thorough background check. You got to find out about their personal You'd Think aspect, You would think. And then you also, for some reason, some people feel as though they have to show their other talents. Nina evidently has another talent, so let's listen to what she does on TikTok. Cut 13.
1: Information laundering
9: is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by
7: saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious.
9: It's how you hide a little idle lie. It's how you hide a little idle lie. It's how you hide a little idle lie. When Giuliani shared that in Ukraine,
1: or when TikTok influences say COVID can cause pain, they're laundering disinfo when we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet voice or vote.
0: Oh, oh my god, <laughs> do you believe this? I look, we're listening to it on radio. Can you imagine how bad
3: <laughs> it is with video? Well, no, I've seen it on video. Uh, it's pretty amazing. So we found that TikTok. <laughs> do you think that Joe Biden said, "Listen, you're pretty good, but I need to. Can you sing? <laughs> and did you think he, he dance he, for yeah. me? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know you could do more because we have parties, we have get-togethers. I like to know my disinformation director <laughs> is um, can do more than one thing, uh, and that is despite spot disinformation, which she's not good at because she missed the laptop being authentic. Uh, she also said Christopher Steele gives a great speech on fake news. So this is unbelievable.
0: And Mayorkas couldn't answer the question. So if there's misinformation from the government that's put out about COVID, is that fall in the realm? And, of course, Mayorkas punted on that
3: one. Right. So you want to hear that? So I know you like different testimony than we've pulled. So I'm sure our show let you down, Jason. But here is (laughs) Congressman Jim Jordan asking the questions. Now that you got this fake news bureau, uh, what are we going to do about this? Cut 14.
5: When the head of the CDC, Ms. Walensky, said that the vaccinated can't get the virus, did that undermine trust in government? Dr. Fauci, when he said the virus didn't come from a lab, did that undermine trust in government? How about when 51 former intel officials told us that the Hunter Biden story was had all the earmarks of Russian misinformation? Will that be something that this governance board that you just formed, will you be looking into that?
6: Uh, Congressman, um, the disinformation board... Uh, addresses uh, disinformation that imperils the safety um, uh, uh, and security uh, of our homeland. And one of the primary areas that we are focused on is the dissemination of disinformation and its potential.
0: Oh, my goodness. Talk about saying nothing. The guys are professional at testifying. That's why Myarcus is the Secretary of Homeland Security. It isn't is because of competence.
3: Huh? I thought he looked terrible. Oh, it's awful. Wait, I mean, but I thought, he, I thought he did terrible. There were people that are good like, with everything of Christopher Ray, he doesn't crack. He's like a like a stone. Like, you know, We just saw William Barr. William Barr, you couldn't read him. This guy was falling apart. To me, he looked at like you. Because he was... he's
0: trying to sell something that is fundamentally false and counter to the core values of the United States of America. There is nothing worse going on. Than the way Homeland Security is operating, Secret Service is the responsibility that's fallen apart. You've seen the problems that they're having there. Homeland Security, in terms of of ICE and uh, the Border Patrol, that's not working. I mean, what does he actually point to that is working well? Maybe Perhaps the Coast Guard, but I, I don't know. He's we don't got know. Enough, he's
3: got no success to point to. We have to pull the, some of the Coast Guard in and say, "Could you come to shore? How's it going?" You know, that's about it because we can't get to them. So, listen, uh, Jason, stick around for a, a couple more minutes. We want to talk a little bit about the war in Ukraine. And then, what are you promoting? Are you in and around here? You have big speech coming up?
0: No, I'm just here to support my friend Brian Kelmey. Is he really I've actually brought my trip. wife on this trip, so this, has right, been a this good is right This is great,
3: yeah. yeah. So, you're not sacrificing anything? No. You have your family on the road. Yeah. So, when we, uh, because your grandchildren, your all your kids don't travel with you, right?
0: No, not on this trip.
3: I got four. You got okay. four
0: grandkids. Yes. Wow, that's unbelievable. I'm getting older.
3: Uh, but you still look young. When we come back, uh, we're going to take. We're going to talk Jason a little bit more. And then Brett Bear at the bottom of the hour. See if, if he has anything interesting to say. Back in a moment.
2: Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
6: This morning, President Biden has sent Congress his request for $33 billion in emergency funding to support the Ukrainian people. This is a big but critically necessary package. I will make sure the Senate prioritizes this important funding package so we can get help to the Ukrainian people fast. ASAP.
3: $33 billion. The president asked for it. Schumer's going to push it. Will it be stopped? Uh, Congressman Jason Chaffetz in studio, Fox News contributor. Jason, what do you think?
0: Uh, I think we're about 90 days behind the the supplies that should have been flowing into Ukraine. I think they should have been done before the invasion, once it started. Look, logistically, the United States of America is second to none. We are the best in the world if we had the political will to do things. But, boy, we're still slow. And don't blame Congress for – the appropriations were there. The weapons were there. The administration has just been super slow.
3: How unbelievable is it that China, according to the Wall Street Journal today – is going to level off their purchase of uh, Russian oil, and but they're going to buy it from Iran. Not great, but that's unbelievable. And Germany is well on its way to getting off oil and gas from Russia. We thought that was going to be uh, take forever. We we doubted their uh, their focus on doing it, but it, it's happening. This is pretty amazing. That funds the war machine.
0: I think there was this political perception that Russia would roll in and win this thing in a matter of days or maybe a couple of weeks. But now that we're much further into it, Russia ultimately is going to be a loser. They're going to be in a protracted war. And I think China and Germany are saying, ah, we got to get out of this. Gordon Chang uh, has a great op-ed out. I think it's in Newsweek, and he talks about China's biggest threat to them, according to President Xi, is decoupling if they don't have relationships with other parts of the world for good, tra- solid trading partners, then their economy collapses. And so they're decoupling and they're recognizing that Russia, that they're a poor nation and they're losing this war. And it's not worth giving up instead of the relationship with the, the United
3: States. So I want uh, General Keene says don't give. Vladimir Putin has not given up on taking Kiev still. Oh, yeah. And then bombing and sh- like sending rockets into Kiev with the U.N. general secretary there and then denying Bulgaria and Poland uh, their natural gas, forcing them to do what maybe they were going to slowly do, but do it right away. These are bad moves on the surface. I don't I don't see these being I don't care if you if you agree with Russia or not, but these are bad moves for them.
0: Putin's becoming increasingly irrational, and that's a scary thing. I think General Keene is right, um, and it's scary when you get that big a person with nuclear weapons in an ir- irrational state. Not healthy. Not healthy. He doesn't
3: look settled. You saw him on Easter Sunday or their Easter Sunday. He doesn't look good. All right, you do. Hey, thank you. Right. Uh, much thank better you. than Vladimir Putin. And I need taller. to do some more
0: sit-ups, but yeah, I get no, it.
3: I think you're in very good shape. Jason Chavez thank you. Brett Bear. next.
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
6: We inherited a broken and dismantled system that is already under strain. It is not built to manage the current levels and types of migratory flows. Only Congress can fix this. We have effectively managed an unprecedented number of non-citizens seeking to enter the United States.
3: That is uh, some of the disastrous testimony of Secretary Mayorkas. Joining me now in studio, Brett Baer, who had Jim Jordan in last night. Who just wiped the floor with him yesterday. Uh, Brett, welcome back. Hey. How are you, Brett? So, good. Now, I know one of the questions you asked, Jim Jordan, was what about theatrics? You're not really getting things done. Sometimes you could see right through it. What I saw from him and others is just anger and frustration because we're watching the whole southern border fall apart, Correct.
14: No, that's true, and there's a lot of passion about that because they're watching things they're talking to border patrol officers um My only point was you know you only have five minutes, and so some Ask people go after yeah, some people go after substance and and trying to get answers, others you know go for commercials for their reelection campaign so Um, But you're right. The issue itself uh, is problematic, uh, to say the least, Uh, politically more so than uh, not just in those border states, but other states. All that you have to know is that Democratic Senator Maggie Hassan from New Hampshire does a campaign commercial at Trump's border wall in Texas. So, I mean, that that tells you everything you need to know about the, the issue and how important it is.
3: True. Uh, one of the craziest things I've seen is the announcement of this so-called fake news police that's going to be coming out now with this Nina Jankiewicz. Uh She'll serve as the disinformation uh, czar, sounds like to me. And I don't know how it's going to be implemented. What's the penalty going to be? What's going to be the judgment? What's going to be the focus? What could you tell me about this? I can't. I can't even tell you that
14: I believe that it's it's a thing I, I know that that's what they're saying, but it's hard to believe that they're actually pitching this uh with that person uh it's i I can't believe in a divided Congress <laughs> that this is going to move forward. I just can't. I have Secretary of my on Fox News Sunday this weekend, and um obviously this is one line of questioning that uh he's gonna have to answer
3: i mean he's uh I guess it, she has some things she said in the past about the laptop, things she said in the past about Christopher Steele. I mean, she might be the worst, even though her resume looks fine. Her actions make her look terrible. And I think she's eight months pregnant. I congratulate her. But would you ever take a job you're not going to be able to start? That's why
14: I say I can't believe. I mean, I didn't even actually know the pregnancy part, but I can't believe that this is actually real. I kind of feel like somebody's (laughs) going to say, no, 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 we're just kidding. Um, But so far, they're not. And listen, you look at some of those issues, whether it's the Hunter laptop, whether it's the Wuhan lab, whether it's other things that actually were called Uh, conspiracies, and uh, we couldn't put them out on Facebook or Twitter, uh, and then months later turn out to be what people are talking about. So uh, this doesn't seem like it uh, is going to go far.
3: So uh, that would be one thing. I thought it was a pretty good hypothetical that Jim Jordan threw out uh, at at him, at uh, Mayorkas, Here's uh, here's an example of let's see if uh, the if the crackdown will take place even against the Biden administration. Cut 14.
5: When the head of the CDC, Miss Walensky, said that the vaccinated can't get the virus. Did that undermine trust in government? Dr. Fauci, when he said the virus didn't come from a lab, did that undermine trust in government? How about when 51 former Intel officials told us that the Hunter Biden story was had all the earmarks of Russian misinformation? Will that be something that this governance board that you just formed. Will you be looking into that?
6: Uh, uh, Congressman, um, the disinformation board uh, addresses uh, disinformation that imperils the safety um, uh, and security uh, of our homeland. And one of the primary areas that we are focused on is the dissemination of disinformation and its potential.
3: Yeah, I guess the answer is yes, because the CDC did give under misinformation, right? I mean, what about the, the every time you got a, uh, at a account suspended by Twitter when you uh, said, I believe the, the virus came from a lab in China, uh, you mm-hmm. got suspended. So I guess, are these people going to be jailed? How about um, the masks early
14: on, whether it was the CDC saying you didn't need a mask or later on saying the efficacy of masks and then coming out later and saying, well, in reality, It doesn't really work Um, in essence, you know, depending on the mask you wear. I mean, whatever, all of the different iterations of the mask issue from beginning throughout and the evolution of that, it's just uh, bizarre to think that this is the answer. And I I can't believe that this is just not a shiny thing to focus on for the right. I don't know what the purpose of why this is being launched right now, other than it takes attention away from something else. I, I don't know.
3: Um, that could be it. We got hit with so much over the last couple of days that maybe... Uh, that could be a part of it. The president makes his announcement i 'm going to give thirty i 'm going to need thirty three billion dollars uh and uh for ukraine so there 's so much coming out that maybe won 't be a lot of focus i that 's an interesting Uh, I mean, this is
14: what the Obama administration used to do. They used to throw, you know, when they had a tough week, they would throw a bunch of things at the wall, knowing that a bunch of them wouldn't stick, but that it would generate all kinds of coverage of something. And in reality, they were covering up the fact that it was a really bad week.
3: Right. Uh, So, Brett, what is your take on Elon Musk and the and the reaction to it? I
14: think it's telling, you know, how many heads are exploding over it. Uh, I think, you know, you guys played on Fox and Friends and I, I looked at on on social media that Ari Melberg doing his thing about, you know, someone owning Twitter could could exclude people <laughs> or their views or turn something up or turn something down. And it's just <laughs> what it where has he been Um I, I think it's really telling about who's having a big problem with it and who's kind of waiting to see what happens.
3: And right now, uh, he seems to be having a good time with it. You. you surprised that he's tweeting about this? you surprised at the sketch that we woke up to today? He said, look at me in 2008, and he had a, a big timeline, and the middle is moderate. Left is Democrat. Right is Republican. Has himself on the left in between, way left and in between. Then he gets to the middle And now he has himself center-right. He said because he believes, and I'll paraphrase, you know, the Democrats have gone way woke. So he does kind of drop the veil a little bit in saying that, you know, there's no doubt about it. I've changed because the Democrats have changed in his view.
14: Yeah, and I think his big thing is trolling people. I, I to, for, but for billions of dollars to troll, uh, I wonder, you know, on the business side, how he's going to put all this together. I mean, he is the richest man in the world, but it's it's on paper, and you got to have, you know, the the money to make it stick. I I do think that the Bezos' tweet about, you know, how much investment China has in Tesla and how he's beholden to China, he kind of walked it back a little bit, but it. I bet you start seeing some of that, like concerns about Elon Musk's ties to China and what that means for freedom of speech uh, from critics. Right. And I, I think, you know, it, all of this talk about regulation, surprisingly, is coming, not so surprisingly, after
3: he buys Twitter. Right. Uh, so we'll see what happens because we know Tesla lost a lot of money originally, but I don't think he's concerned about money and wealth. Uh, if you read, uh, look back at his timeline... I mean, he almost lost everything a few times. He could be retiring on some island and own the island, but he wants—you know—he wants to be in the arena. Talk about in the arena. Let's talk about what's happening in Ukraine. The thirty-three billion dollars that they're requesting—I imagine, unless it's tied to something the Democrat the Republicans can't stomach—they're uh, going to get it. Listen to what Jack Keane told me today, though. Uh, for those people who think Ukraine is won, cut thirty-one.
10: I think we should still remind ourselves, while the fight is taking place in the south, and it's going to be a very intense fight as these forces join, that Putin, I don't believe for a minute, has given up completely on toppling the entire country, and certainly uh, the continuous bombardment is part of that strategy. We've always said there's two strategies here: one is the ground forces strategy to seize terrain and destroy right. Ukraine ground forces; the other thing is to break the will of the people. BY THE CONTINUOUS BOMBARDMENT.
3: I MEAN, BUT THAT SEEMS LIKE SUCH A LONG SHOT. DON'T YOU AGREE?
14: Yeah, I do. And uh, I think the more that we see the Russian military, I think the more uh, that is a long shot. Uh, The Ukrainians have put up a a really stiff battle. But I I do agree with General Keane that um, the thought that you could just somehow cut off Donbass and the East and Crimea, and then Putin will be satiated and kind of go his own way, I don't think that that's real. I think he reconstitutes and goes back at it, and at least that's the history of of how Russia's operated before. Um, I, I do think that there is pushback inside the U.S. about, you know, as we're facing all kinds of economic questions and and looking at a Q1 that is down 1.4 percent. You know, 33 billion is 33 billion, and while it means a lot in the world picture. Um, there may be starts starting to say, you know, when do the dollar figures stop flowing into Ukraine?
3: So something I'm pretty encouraged that the Europeans are doing things I never expected because of the threat of losing oil and gas which is direct and happening to Bulgaria and Poland, Germany's made a move. Now, up until this point, they relied on uh, Russia for 55% of their natural gas needs. Moscow's invasion since then, they're down to 35%, and they're going to get even lower. By the end of the year, German officials said they hope to be drawing less than a third of the country's gas from Russia. When it comes to oil, uh, they say 25% of their coal and only 35% of their oil is coming from Russia. And according to the Wall Street Journal, they're going to get down to zero this year. I mean that that does fund the Europeans are their best customer and it does fund the Moscow war machine that could do a lot
14: Yeah it really could. I mean, that's the biggest the biggest thing. If you really want to hit Russia, you would sanction in oil and gas and actually have effective sanctions. I mean, some of the sanctions against that and, and dealing with those banks don't kick in until mid-June. Uh, and others are full of holes for the Russians to continue to sell oil, which they're doing. Gazprom is making more money now than it did at the beginning of the war. But if Europe does that and changes their appetite for russian uh energy that really is a, a hit
3: uh yeah something was almost unexpected brett have you picked your panel today and have they been informed could i be blowing the secret
14: you could be blowing the secret but it's i know this that we are working on locking down the panel but they will be in studio which has been a wow. wonderful change
10: loving you know, it right you
14: interact with people you've been doing it for a while on the curvy couch but special reports just getting back in the game you're lonely i'm lonely i
3: need some people in there <laughs> okay all right stay out of florida that's one reason the way you don't get lonely that's right all right hey thanks so much brett have a great show see you Brad. brett brett bear uh one 408 7669 back with your calls in a moment
2: this weekend, check out Brian's new show on Fox News Channel. Yeah, Brian Kilmeade. He's got a new show on Saturdays because apparently he's cheaper than infomercials for non-stick pans. That is not true. Chill out, Gutfeld. That really hurts. One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. More of Brian coming up. He's so busy he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
12: There'll be tears. There'll be so many tears Um, because this has been the hardest decision I've ever had to make. It really has. I've I've never taken this job for granted ever, not once. And if you, the fact that you watch us at home or you watch us online, wherever you are. All over the world, the fact that we get to try and entertain you and spend time with you is an absolute privilege for me and every single person who makes this show. Um, Here's to the next 12 months. It is going to be a blast. I promise you that. So he's got 12 more months, and James
3: Corden's going to be out. He's going to move on. That's unbelievable. Uh, I think by far he's the most talented guy in late night, and he's moving on. Let's go. Time to find out if there's more to know
2: more to know
3: So he's 43 years old. He's an actor, singer, and James Corden says he's going to go do something else. I think he's going back to England. I don't think he likes it here.
15: I don't know like he has like right a wife and kids and uh I don't know or does he want to do more movies? He's done acting before. He likes to sing.
3: I mean the whole I I saw the other day Nicholas Cage does his show. A lot of big celebrities like his show. Like they found his show. Part of it is he's in Los Angeles.
15: Well, that's when he does different things, right? Like the carpool karaoke and the, you know, when they go into the middle of the street and sing and dance. So I think it's sort of refreshing.
3: Right, he's a full, you're not going to see Jimmy Kimmel. Well, Jimmy Fallon does a lot of that stuff, but nobody cares. Uh, And I don't think the reigns are necessarily great, but I think he gets a lot on YouTube and gets his clicks there. And it was a prestigious job. Craig Kilborn, I think, started that, the first one. And then uh, Ferguson Mm -hmm. uh, came in next, Craig Ferguson. And then he takes over. When Craig Ferguson didn't get... Uh, the CBS show, he's like, I might as well move on. So I that's know. what happened. The
15: sad part is he's the only one in the late night, as our listeners know, who's tolerable because he'll play his cuts.
3: I know. And you know what? He, he definitely is somebody who goes out of his way not to be political. So let's find out if there's even more to know. I don't like that story. A marriage American sets four different alarms to wake up at a poll of 2,000 adults. One quarter, typically said 24%, sleep in a bit because they believe it helps their relationships. Uh, six in ten claim hitting the snooze button, getting more sleep, helps them with a better uh, a better lifestyle. Furthermore, seventy one percent think the uh, amount of sleep they get directly impacts their social health.
15: Interesting. On average, how many times do you hit snooze in the morning?
3: Um, I haven't hit it in a
5: while.
15: That's impressive. Not since
3: I started doing the extra New York hits, uh-huh. like the extra you know local hits, because I got to get up even earlier, so I cannot. So you're earlier than two twenty now. Earlier than 2:20. No, no, I, I, am around 2:20. Okay, I was kind of backing off a little bit.
15: Oh, okay, so you're not really, you know, not
3: you're that. You're still bad. sleeping in. Yeah, I might as well be <laughs> sleeping all day. Next, seven and seven is the magic number when it comes to sleep for middle-aged, older Americans. This research from the University of Cambridge. Uh, In a new study examining data from nearly half a million people in the U.K. and China from the age 38 to 73, researchers asked participants about their sleeping patterns. The team found that both insufficient and excessive sleep duration had a connection to impair cognitive performance. And that's true. You sleep too much. Don't you feel flat? A little flat, but I think seven hours for you would be sleeping too much. Oh, that would be... (laughs) <laughs> I grew up in, I'd get up in physical pain. Next, Tropicana is unveiling a cereal meant to be eaten with orange juice. The fruit company said the followers of the Instagram page will have the chance to win a box of Tropicana Crunch described as the first cereal made from OJ. The honey uh, almond cereal is de- designed to be eaten with orange juice instead of milk. Quote, prepare your mind in cereal bowl for an unforgettable breakfast experience. Tropicana said the specifics of the giveaway will be unveiled on May 4th on Instagram. Would you do it? One on one is genius. You think? Yes. If you could sell people on the need to have orange juice in their cereal, it's another reason to get orange juice. There's that... No one's buying milk anymore unless you're putting it in your cereal.
15: Well, I mean, that is true. but I'm, Or if you have young kids. but Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, just the thought of orange juice and cereal, like it's making my mouth, like, cringe.
3: Next, Generation L-A-Z? One in three adults never clean up on their... As in lazy? (laughs) uh, I have no idea. Why did they just spell it out? More than a third of Gen Z respondents say they don't pick up their dog. That's kind of disgusting. Next and finally, this is the first pick of the draft and how it sounded last night. Jaguars.
15: Or not. We have music playing. There we
2: go. With the first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft... The Jacksonville Jaguars select Trayvon Walker.
3: Big Marine family. He's going to be great. Jaguars need it. They have a lot of talent now. They're young talent. Once they do that, then they'll start rebuilding the city.
13: And Jacksonville will be even a better place to be.